Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Huai Chen Bui. I'm a pop culture journalist in the Washington, D.C. area and a contributor to USA Today. I am Anya Crittenden, a editor and writer for Entertainment Earth News. And I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the Washington, D.C. area. So, Willoughby, how did this podcast come to be? That's a good question. Uh... We, the three of us, met in college, junior year, and we were taking a Hollywood in the 70s class, a sort of new Hollywood class. We learned all about different films like, uh, oh, The Graduate or The Parallax View. Um, and so we, we really, we bonded over a lot of different uh, fandoms and uh, likes and dislikes, and so... Uh, we've been friends ever since, and that was about nearly two years ago, nearly three years ago. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. so HT came to us, uh, me and Anya, the the other day, about doing a podcast, a pop culture podcast. And uh, I had actually just wanted to do one for a while with you guys, so it was like serendipity that we that you also wanted to do one. Mm-hmm. And it's basically what we do every day, anyways. But actually talking to each other over something that's not Tumblr or Twitter. Millennials, yay! Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and so today's episode, our first episode, is going to be all about fall TV. What we're looking forward to, what we're excited to see, and we're just going to talk about those shows. And so, HT, I think you're going to start us off? Yes. Alright, my number one pick is actually a show that's not going to be on a primetime network, or on TV, really. Oh! It's called Jessica Jones, and it's the second lineup in the Marvel Netflix um, kind of Defenders series, uh, and it's based off of the Alias comics by Michael, Brian Michael Bendis, and it's about um, this female ex-superhero turned private detective who's given up the tights and cape for, because of like a traumatic thing that happened in her past, and she's working like the de- the gritty Hell's Kitchen kind of private detective scene, and she runs into she ends up running into a lot of of course super powered people and helping them along the way, and she kind of just wants to escape all that, so she's an alcoholic and depressed, and she like throws her whole sex life into turmoil. But it's a very grown up, interesting thing. The um, Alias comics were actually Marvel's first foray into X rated stuff. It was under their um, flagship, uh, do you know what it is, Anya? It was like, um... I am drawing a blank as well. Um, it was under their Max in, Max print, that's what it was. There so, you go. if you can tell, Max, as in, like, Max swear words and nudity and all the like. So, it, it's a really good comic, though, and I'm really excited for the show. Um, yeah, it's gonna be great. I was a big fan of Daredevil, and... So, yes, you were. Yeah. I, remember, I remember on Twitter you were talking about it a lot. Yeah, I did rewatch Daredevil twice. Um, one of them was so I could get my dad to watch it, and then I just watched it with him. So Jessica Jones, I'm definitely binging the first weekend that it's there. Mm-hmm. And of course, the power of streaming. Mm-hmm. Not on television, really. Yeah. Just we- goes to show you. Yeah, like, I remember I watched Daredevil in one stint on that Friday that it came out. Mm-hmm. 13 hours of just pure Daredevil. It was good stuff, man. Thank you, Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, are there any more, or was that just your one? Uh, I just thought I'd do one first, and then we'd yeah. do one each. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. So, Anya, what's your big pick for the first one? <laughs> well, 
I had several written down. Um, but surprise, surprise, my big pick is going to be Once Upon a Time. Um, it comes out, starts tonight, actually. We are recording this on Sunday. Uh, so I'm very excited for it to come back tonight. Um, it's a show that I hold very dear to my heart. A show with a lot of ups and downs. Not a perfect show, but a really fun show. And I think it found its footing again in season four. And so now season five starts tonight. And Emma Swan... Wait, HT, have you caught up yet? Okay, I am actually catching up right now. I am on the second half of the third season, which, by the way, you're right, it's much better than the Neverland arc, which is so awful. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I'm Wait, you're on the third season or fourth? Third season. So I'm like the Zelina arc. Um, okay. It's really good, and I'm actually like getting excited for Once Upon a Time too. So that's yeah, something. and season four gets even better. I really mm-hmm. love season four. Okay. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm a, a newbie to Once Upon a Time, so uh, during uh, between jobs, I had a lot of t- time to record. Not record. Sorry. Um, watch and and watch on Netflix. So I watched a lot of different TV shows, and one of them was Once Upon a Time. And uh, I really, really liked it. So I thought that yeah. I liked the Disney aspect of it. It's a fun show. It's a fun show. And I think there are some really exciting possibilities for the fifth season. I will not say specifics, so HT can watch it relatively unspoiled. Although you've probably been spoiled for quite a lot I on mean, the internet. Yeah, I kind of know what the basic gist is. You know, Dark Swan and all that stuff. But I'm excited. I do like... The one thing I like about getting back into Once Upon a Time is that... Um, it's just such an optimistic show. There's so much, so many shows now that's like all about nihilism and doom before doom and gloom and stuff like that. And I kind of just am happy to have this one ray of sunshine inside of all of like these really cynical shows that everyone's like, oh, that's realistic though. But I don't want yes. realism. I want fantasy. I want escapism. And I like that about Once Upon a Time. And looking at the list of shows I wrote down, I wrote like seven or so down that I'm looking forward to. Okay. Well, we'll go down. Uh, we, yeah, we can get to those. It's fine. Yeah. But, like, I'm just noticing that none of them are really kind of gritty shows. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a sign of a weariness. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my list of shows, and I, it's the same bunch of, like, kind of very optimistic shows. Mm-hmm. We're done with that post-9-11, yeah. you know, grittiness. We're done with yeah. the dark night of TV shows <laughs> and whatnot. Yeah. We still love Nolan, but he's just, like, you know, he's... He's reached his peak, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even Interstellar was about hope. Yeah, that's true. And I want to say, like, one last thing. I'm really excited. They're bringing back some old characters this season. And one of the big ones is that Jamie Chung is going to be returning as Mulan. And Sarah Bolger is still there as Aurora. And I read an interview, I forget where, but they did confirm that they were going to have either more queer characters or relationships, just more of the LGBT community in this show, which is really exciting because we sort of got a hint of that with Mulan and Aurora, but it never really panned out, which was really unfortunate. Mm -hmm. And apparently we are going to be getting more of that in season five, some actual canon relationships and representation. I don't know with who, but I'm really looking forward to that and seeing how they do that. I think it's a little bit overdue, but I'm really excited we're getting it at all. All right. So yeah. All right, so it's my turn to pick something for television. Um, I feel I, like I know what it's going to be, by the way. I've got a lot of things, so uh, I think I'm actually okay. going to say I'm going to go with the Marvel thing and go with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh. What? 
Wow, yes. I'm surprised your number I one wasn't something. Shocked and betrayed. <laughs> okay, oh, I'm sorry. I mean, we can always talk. We can talk about more shows yeah. as well. We have plenty of time. Mm. Um, I'm really shocked that's your number one. <laughs> I really liked season two of Agents of Shield. I think after the events of the Winter Soldier, it really got into its own, and it feels like it felt feels like its own show now. It doesn't feel like it's just tailgating on the back of the Marvel movies. It's actually pushing forward the story of Marvel while the different movies are doing their own thing. Like, if I, I mean, I know that they're trying to keep Agents of Shield and the movie separate. But if you if you think about it, what's happening in the Marvel universe is really happening on the Agents of Shield universe a lot more than like it's just progressing the world even further. Like now, I mean, spoiler alert: we've got Inhumans. Like that's something really big that is only in the comics, and it's really because they can't do the X Men because of yeah. the rights. But what they're doing with with the Inhumans is basically trying to do something different with powered people. Uh, but also having a little bit of the prejudice that that is that accompanies the X-Men universe in which powered people are always different than normal people. Quote-unquote normal people. And I do like that it's embracing its comic book roots more. Um, I know in the first season they're kind of like, oh, we're not too comic booky. It's like procedural. We're going to do some like fantastical stuff every now and then. But really it's just about like solving the case and getting it done. But, you know, Daisy Johnson is a character yeah. now, and she's a big like, coming into her own thing. And I really like that the first two scenes was really just her origin story. So, yeah, it made me like uh, Chloe Bennett's performance more. Yeah, and I really liked how um, once once we got into season two, it wasn't a Monster of the Week procedural anymore. It was very serialized, very, you know, the story never ended, really. I mean, they closed out arcs on stories, but it was very ongoing. It was very much like, a, since the the first minute of season two, I was in... For the rest and like the last the very last shot of season two i'm not going to spoil it but it had me on the edge of my seat asking what the hell just happened and i'm so excited for what's happening with season three i've seen i saw the first five minutes that they posted online and yeah. i'm in love with it Chloe looks good. even more yeah i'm like yeah, it I'm looks excited. good oh and also uh constance zimmerman is in it and i love her so much she's so good i saw the first episode of unreal before they took it off on demand and I, I hope she she's just gonna tear through Agents of Shield like like it's butter. It's gonna be great. She was a revelation in Unreal. Unreal was a surprisingly awesome show that hap- that took place over the summer about um, the behind the scenes of a Bachelor like show, and it's kind of everyone is awful. They have this great uh, female like anti hero, and yeah, basically everyone is terrible. It's like, it goes along with the nihilism thing. But Constance was <laughs> yeah, Constance Zimmerman was so good, and she looks like she's playing a very similar character in Agents of Shield. But I don't mind because I love her. Yeah, she's great at what she does. Mm-hmm. So I was really surprised you didn't say the Flash, Willoughby. I know. I am okay. I'm. I'm s- we can still talk about it because I'm also I'm incredibly excited for it. Explain yourself. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's because. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is coming back sooner, so it was on mm-hmm. my mind more. But, I mean, if if it's okay with you guys, we can talk about The Flash right now. Yeah, I actually left The Flash off of my list because I knew you were going to oh, talk no, about okay. it. But you right? <laughs> oh. All right, since it's my turn, we're going to talk about yeah. The Flash. Okay. Ugh. Okay, The Flash, something that we're all looking forward to. A great comic book show that just embraces the whole ridiculous comic book aspect. And it is, again, just like the hope to Arrow's darkness. Yeah, yeah. it's basically... 
I mean, if you had to compare it to the movies, it's basically Arrow is Batman's Dark Knight, all gritty and her, and then the Flash is kind of more on the Superman side of hope and wonder and like experience great things. Mm-hmm. And it's a very comic booky show, but like. I think it does a really good job of not falling into sort of, like, a cringeworthy camp category. Correct. I agree. Uh, I agree. Yeah, it's really fun, but there's a lot of genuine heart there and genuine, really well-written characters. Um, like, praise Cisco Ramon, because how wonderful is he? I actually, to be honest, the first couple episodes, I didn't really like him. I thought he was a little bit too cringeworthy. Mm-hmm. But, and then, but then... I, I don't know, a switch turned on in my head, and I kind of just, you know, like, he was just, like, the coolest the coolest fanboy ever. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe it was the pilot. Something about him just irked me the wrong way, but then, like, I don't know. I think it's because he's, like, the self-aware, like, mule, in yeah, a way. A little bit. He's kind of that person being like, oh, I'm going to name this, this guy cr- Weather Wizard. Yeah. But, then, but then it became endearing, and you really sort of, you looked forward to what he was going to say. Yeah, it became part of the fabric of the show. Like, when he said, may the fe- speed force be with you, I was, I was practically tearing up, because it's like, oh my god! He said, it's like three references in one. Yes. Yeah, um, it's, and all the characters are great. Like, I also have a big soft spot for Joe West, and just Jesse L. Martin's performance in general. And you're having to me about right in the heart. Harrison Wells and your love for right. Tom Cavanaugh. Tom Cavanaugh. <laughs> so, <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, I I may or may not have a little bit of a crush on Tom Cavanaugh. Maybe. Don't we all? <laughs> and I I really like nice Harrison Wells. I don't like mean Harrison Wells, aka Eddie Thon, but not Eddie Thon. Uh, Eobard Thon. Um, and so I'm really excited he's still going to be a regular in season two. I don't know what kind of Harrison Wells we're going to get, but Tom Cavanaugh is a really great actor, so I'm looking forward to that. We'll get, like, original timeline Harrison Wells, That would be pretty cool. You know, yeah, and then he would be a good guy, and I'm kind of wondering if they want to do that with him, or if they like him as a sort of... I know we are getting Earth 2 Harrison Wells, though. Oh, we are. I read that somewhere. So, will will it be... Tom Cavanaugh as Harrison Wells again. Like I don't know because like Earth Two, like the character, like the like the world is always di- like Jay Garrick is the mm-hmm. Flash, and but not Barry Allen. For those who don't yeah. know, the at the end of season one's Flash ended in like basically a crisis on Infinite Earths, <laughs> um, with basically the revelation of multiple Earths and kind of like him killing the future guy ended up tearing a hole in, like, the fabric of the universes, so we're probably going to be getting, like, multiple parallel Earths, and, like, one of the big defining parts of DC Comics universe is the multiverse. So there's, like, Earth 2, and then a bunch of other... There's a lot of different Earths. infinite Earths. Yeah, (laughs) and there's a crisis at some point. Yes, and Flash is often at the center of that. So, um... Because he could tear through the fabric of reality. Basically, by running really fast, Yeah. yeah. So... What we're seeing in season two will probably be like a lot of Earth Two stuff. The the Jay Garrick Flash, which is like the Golden Age Flash, as well as just like other well, versions. And of we are going characters. to meet Wally West. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're meeting so. more, much, a lot more speedsters. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse Quick, I think, is going to be. Yeah. Yes, I don't is. know much about her though. I don't know much about her either, but I know she's she seems cool. The actress seems cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then of course we have the big bad of the season is Zoom. 
Yes. Professor Zoom. Yep. Yeah. I always got a little confused between Reverse Flash and Professor Zoom. Well, they're a lot of times they're they're the, they're same, the same person. Yeah. So I was very confused. I'm like, they're the same person, aren't they? But I guess since it's like multiple universes, you can do whatever you want with that. I believe at some point Professor Zoom also called himself Reverse Flash or yeah. vice versa. Like one of them like there's been a couple reverse a couple arch nemeses mm-hmm. of the Flash and they've either been called Reverse Flash or Professor Zoom. Mm. So. Which one? Oh gosh, I should know this, but I know one of them. The whole thing with that one of them was a bigger villain for Wally than Barry. I think. I think it was Zoom. I think Zoom. Zoom was, yeah. yeah. And I think the whole thing is that Zoom actually was a friend of Wally's. Ooh, and that could be interesting. There was some sort of like tension, or like there was some sort of like rift between them, and like somehow Zoom got speedster powers. Hmm. Uh, I feel like they were kind of hinting at that with Eddie Thon in yeah. the first season, but yeah, that's not going to happen. Well, because I think Eddie is is Eddie. Uh, an original character for the show. I think he is, Because I know yeah. Eobard is his descendant, but mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people, that, that was a, a good misdirection, because they're like, oh, Eddie, Eobard, Thawne, Thawne. Mm-hmm. Like, they were trying to be like, oh, you know, he was blonde too. Like, it could be that he could have been the reverse Flash, but yeah. I think they tried to quash that pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good red herring, though. Yeah, it was a really great red herring. It was, true. Um, um, do we have anything else I'm to say? Yeah. On the Flash? Um, I want more Iris West. Yes. I I was so angry Always. that they kept her out of the loop. I hate when they do that in superhero shows. That's like my one uh, qualm with all of them, basically. But I'm happy that she's fully in the loop, and she and she basically like stood up to them and was like, don't you think I would have been in less danger if I knew everything that was going on? Yeah. So, it, yeah, that never, that like hiding the identity from them just to keep them safe never makes sense to me. Yeah, which I kind of liked in, to go back to Marvel for one moment, mm-hmm. I like that they didn't, they don't really have uh, identities or like secret identities. They're all like, Iron Man at the very end was like, I am Iron Man. Like that kind of set the tone for the rest of the universe. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I like that uh, it's kind of, kind of like spilled over into like TV universes and with the Flash, like now everyone knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Do you have any more thoughts on The Flash? No. I think that's it. I think we're good. I'm just excited because The Flash is my favorite character. Yes, in, yeah. And uh, superheroes. I feel like a lot of guys love The Flash. I don't know why, but like every like guy our age I know is just like, oh yeah, Flash is like my favorite character. I, I know I know a lot more guys who like Batman. Yeah, really? But I, 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 I always feel like people but, like Batman more. That's true. But I mean like I watched the I was watching the Flash on Justice League and he was always my favorite character. Mainly, not mainly, but one of the reasons was that he has red hair. Like he the Wally West uh was on the Wally West character of the Flash was on the Justice League animated TV show in the early 2000s and when he took off his mask and he and he had red hair, I was like, "Hey, look. He's got red hair." That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So I always felt like a kinship to him for being having red hair. And but then also like I my elementary school library had this large book like an encyclopedia of comic books and they had a big thing on the flash and just his villains seemed always really cool and part of the pun of uh captain cold but like <laughs> just the fact that there have been different flashes and they, they all have different you know like groups of people around them and it, there's like a family of speedsters and they're all like one unit it's so great okay so yeah. anya your next pick okay so there are two big categories that I just really want to mention that I'm really excited for. And the first is sitcoms, uh, because, again, on the positivity note, sitcoms are really fun. And I'm really excited uh, for Brooklyn Nine-Nine to come back. I marathoned it this summer, so I only just caught up with it 
but I love it already. Can't wait for it to come back, especially because Bill Hader is going to be in it. I wonder how long he's going to be in the season. I know. I'm really hoping it's like a regular. I think. I think. I mean, they, they, with sitcoms, you kind of can't change the status quo too much. So I think that Andre Brower will be back as the captain. Spoiler alert for those who haven't seen season two. He kind of, he had he uh, was forced to be promoted to being um, a desk job. A, de- a desk job. Uh, and as, Gina went with him as head of PR for the for the NYPD. But yeah, and, and but so something's gonna happen with Bill Hader. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely gonna be there for a couple episodes, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if he's if he somehow becomes a part of the the crew or the of the nine nine, <laughs> I think that would be cool. The my only issue is that I think he won't be is that he's Bill Hader and he's doing all these different like he's he he's like so many he's a producer movies. of South Park. He's doing a bunch of different things. He's a big movie star now. Yeah, yeah, doing act. documentary now with Seth Meyers and Fred Armisen. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Yes, it's really funny. You guys should check it out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So looking forward to that, and then I'm also really looking forward. I'm. This one's already back, but the Mindy Project. Mm. Yes. Which HT knows. Um, it's on Hulu. So my biggest fear right now is that it's going to go the route of Community Season 6, yeah. where no one's going to talk about it. Um, it's had a really strong start so far. I've really enjoyed the first two episodes of Season 4. I look forward to the rest of the season, and I'm just hoping that it keeps its momentum. Yeah, I love Mini Project. I think the fact that it's on Hulu now will let it go even raunchier than it was. Yeah. I'm actually surprised that it became so like raunchy and cringy like on a primetime network because it it kind of pushed the boundaries. Well, I mean, if you think about it, Fox is the company that still does Family Guy. Oh, true. So they're they're but that's like animated, you can get away with more things in animation. Um, but I think that with the Mini Project, I'm actually not caught up, so I can't really say much more about it, but I definitely think because of Fox, uh, at least their their fiction side, they're much more loose about what you what you can say on television. Mm-hmm. And like, I watched yeah. Scream Queens the other day. There's a lot of stuff that should not have been said <laughs> on television anymore. How is that, that, that show? It's like I don't know. It's 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 very campy. To say that it's good is probably incorrect, but <laughs> it's kind of like. Just a, like I've never seen an episode of American Horror Story, which is also created by Ryan Murphy, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know if it's anywhere near the same level of campiness or like weirdness. But all I well, know, well, it's probably more comedic, right? Oh, it's yeah. it. I mean, it's definitely going for funny. It's like Glee, but a more R-rated Glee. I've heard that yeah. it's like um, a really campy Heather's. That's like yeah, really- it's it's Heather's in college in 2015 with bad people, and there's no there's no Veronica. Okay. There's, well, oh. there, no, there is a Veronica, but she's she's not Winona Ryder. No one can uh, replace Winona Ryder. Nona. Um, I just keep seeing that gift set on Tumblr of the girl who died, but she has to like send a tweet before she. Oh, died. Ariana Grande as the as Chanel number two. That's the thing is they're all n- named Chanel. Oh, of course. So that's where are. the Heather's thing come in, mm-hmm. comes into it. But okay. But that's like, yeah, Ariana Grande was a guest star. And, was that a real thing? Did she just send that, out that tweet and then die? Because yeah. so, I think that's hilarious. That was pretty hilarious, but, but it was kind of oddly paced. Uh-huh. It was, you'd think it would go a little bit quicker, but it didn't. It was, like, kind of weird. Um, I don't know. It's it's kind of like taking... It's Heathers meets Scream, which I think Scream Queens. I think, yeah, so... During the summer, I was getting confused what was Scream and what was Scream Queens. Yeah, Scream was like, is this an MTV show? It's the MTV. Mm-hmm. It was the adaptation of the movie. And then this is Scream Queens, which is by 
Ryan Murphy on Fox. Oh, so, okay. but I think I want to say that they had some, like they were trying really hard to make sure that people knew Scream when it was Scream, and now it's Scream Queens. Because I feel like you know, Scream was on during the summer. During the summer, during yeah. when Teen Wolf was airing, and, and, it was, and all that kind of stuff. And it was a little more serious, I think, than Scream Queens because it's like more of a more horror. Yeah, actual, but I think it was yeah. still self-referential, okay. like it, like Scream is. Mm-hmm. Scream Queens is the one with Jamie Lee Curtis, right? Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis as the head of head of the, as the dean of the school, and okay. then Emma Roberts is the head. She's the president of the of the sorority chapter that take that is the, basically the setting of the show. Okay, and she's. There's no redeeming quality to her as a character. I mean, she's a great actress. I love Emma Roberts. She always plays. She, but her character is just the worst. And she's the protagonist, and that's kind of awful. Protagonist? Really? I thought she was going to be like the mean girl. No, she's... Oh. You, you, you hear her narration. It's not the other girl who is kind of the Veronica character of Heather's. But no. Huh. I mean, they're both kind of... They're, you would, she's got... Grace is, is the other girl. She's kind of the... She, She's the character you're rooting for. Um, she's kind of your audience into this world. But you start out with Emma Roberts' narration. And that's kind of usually the, the key factor of whose show this is. Mm-hmm. And at, at this moment, in the, during the premiere, it's Emma Roberts' show. That's interesting. Yeah. That's something I didn't expect. That was a show I was looking forward to, too, but I don't know much about it other than like what's being said about the Heathers thing. It, it dragged on mm-hmm. in the last half hour mm-hmm. um, because it... Because, I mean, with, with doing a horror TV show, you can't kill every character right away like you do in a movie. So you kind of have to fill in the... Between horror, you have to fill it in with plot. And it seemed to drag on once it got into the second half of the, of the two-hour premiere. It's mm. interesting. So we were on Scream Queens, but what were we talking about? Sitcoms. Sitcoms. Yeah. Funniness. Yeah, that Funniness. Was, I just wanted to say I was looking forward to sitcoms. Um... And then going the route of funny still, I am also really looking forward to two shows, be- partially because of the presidential election. Hmm. Oh. So I'm really looking forward to seeing Trevor Noah take over The Daily Show. Me too. Eager to see how he does. I've liked the promos for it so far. He's a really charming, likable guy. And they're keeping the same correspondence, so that's going to be great. Um, but I'm excited to see how he goes. And then I'm also really looking forward to the season of SNL. Hmm. partially because of the presidential election, they always seem to do best when they have big political events and big elections going on. Oh, who did they pick to um, play Trump for this? Oh, uh, Taryn Killam. Taryn Killam. <laughs> nice. Do we, is there anyone going to be playing Bernie Sanders, do we know? Uh, I don't know, but I do know the best person who should be playing uh, Bernie Sanders is Larry David from <laughs> The oh, Curb Your Enthusiasm God. and the producer of Seinfeld. Have you guys heard him speak? I haven't heard him speak. Larry David sounds exactly like you, like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> like they've got the that same, Bro- they've got the same exact Brooklyn accent. Oh my God. They both have that same like, I hate everything that's wrong with the world. Like they've got the, they've got the same like if if they get Larry David to do like special like how they had Tina Fey come back to do Sarah Palin, mm. if they do that with Larry David on SNL, that would just be the perfect thing. Because Larry David, he doesn't even have to change his voice to sound like Bernie Sanders. He doesn't have to change his hair much either. No, he may put on a little bit more hair because Larry David's pretty bald. But no, they sound eerily similar. It's great. That's so funny. But I think it's gonna there's gonna be some really great skits this year with all the material they have from the election so oh, yeah. far. There's so much going on. It's gonna be great. So yeah, so that's what I'm looking forward to. 
All right, Lilby, anything more from you? Yes, I have a couple more things, I think. Uh, let me pull up my handy-dandy list here. Um, so we said, you, we talked about Trevor Noah, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm excited for a couple more uh, TV shows, one of them being Star Wars Rebels. Season 2 is coming out soon. Is that on Disney? Disney XD. Disney XD. Disney XD. Um, I really liked the first season. It got off to a little bit of a rocky start with kind of, you have to introduce character, this whole new set of characters. Um, and the main character, Ezra, he is 16 years old, no, 15 years old. Uh, a little bit of a spoiled brat, which is ironic considering he's a, a, a homeless orphan. But he kind of he, he kind of takes things like, he's Aladdin, he looks like Aladdin, oh he sounds God. like Aladdin, and he's got like, <laughs> he looks like, he, like if you look at his design, they were clearly influenced by Aladdin, because he's also a straight rat. Um, and, but, so it, it took some time to do, to get past those like, uh, classic, like, animation, sitcom, uh, action-adventure show tropes of doing, like, the episode where uh, Ezra and the big guy get into a fight and they have to, like, deal with their issues while also facing off against the Empire. Like, there's a lot of, like... And then there's, they have to do the episode where it's all about the droids and it's all about C-3PO and R2-D2. And those are kind of always the worst episodes of Star Wars Clone Wars mm -hmm. when it wasn't about the main Jedi and the main clones. And... And you can tell that those episodes are clearly more for the kids, which is great. Kids need that kind of stuff. But um, at, at the end of the day, the show also is trying to go for a more general ap approach. And by the end of the season, it uh, it tied in much more with the larger Star Wars universe. And, we're, and it, it takes place, for those of you who don't know, 15 years after the events of Revenge of the Sith, four years before the events of A New Hope, so we're still in the middle of the dark times, the Empire. And it's all about this crew of rebels who aren't really affiliated with the Rebel Alliance in the beginning of the show. Uh, they're just doing their own thing on this planet called Lethal. Firefly-like. It's extremely Firefly-like, uh, and I love yeah. it for that. Because it's, they basically they have everybody... They have all the different like character tropes that you want in a Firefly-type crew. You've got the head captain, who is a rebel... Also, you know, charismatic and charming, played by Freddie Prince Jr. You've got the the main pilot, and she's a Twi'lek. I don't know her. I forget her voice actress name, but she's great. Her name is Hera. Um, they're based. They're the Han Solo Princess Leia of the of the show. They're, they've got a uh, a relationship budding slash. It could have happened in the past, and there's like feelings. Like they they definitely have feelings for each other, and that's very clear. Then you've got Zeb, who's this, like, Wookiee-like creature. Um, he's actually... I say Wookiee-like because he's actually... His design is one of the first Chewbacca designs that they scrapped for what we now know as Chewbacca. Really? Yeah, so he's a, they, they took that design and made him an alien, like, a, a can, canonical alien in the Star Wars universe. Uh, I forget what his, what his alien name is, but his name is Zeb. Um, and he's kind of like, I'm Zeb, and I'm going to be the big brute. Um, he that, sound, he like, sound, really that Cockney accent? Kind of, yeah, actually. If you watch the show, he's got a Cockney accent. It's oh hilarious. Um, and then you've got Sabine, who is a Mandalorian, uh, and she's, I, I want to say, late teens, early 20s, and we don't know much about her. It seems like she was in the Imperial Academy for a little bit, but she, she dropped out. Um, but she's Mandalorian, she's got the armor, 
Um, she's a graffiti artist, and the graffiti also explodes when she wants it to. It's oh. like explosive uh, awesome. aeros- aerosol graffiti. It's explosive ama- art. It's, it's explosive art. It's a great. Um, and and Ezra has a huge crush on her, and it's hard for him to not have a crush on her. Like in the middle of missions, it's kind of like if you get you, you, both of you have seen Chuck. Yes, of it's, course. It's like that where he, Ezra tries to impress Sabine on missions, and it doesn't go well for him. Uh, <laughs> okay. And everyone else. Oh, sorry, I just hit HT's headphones. Everyone else in uh, on the show is just like, Ezra, get over yourself. Get over her. Do the mission. Um, and it's kind of funny. It's it's hilarious um, in that in the, those cases. Um, and they're, for the first season, they're pretty much on Lothal the entire time. Um, but now they're, now they're, spoiler, a part of the, the Rebel Alliance, and they're going to do more things. Uh, during the summer, they had a one-hour season premiere, a uh, special movie, TV movie, that w- all, was all about facing off against Darth Vader. Um, and that was really, really awesome because they, they brought back James Earl Jones and they made him scary again. Uh, and I'm really excited for season two, which comes out in October, I believe. Will it tie into Force Awakens at all? Uh, like, I know, like, it's part of the canon now. It's part of canon, and there's always... there. They kept saying that there's rumors that this, that these characters... Or not characters, but the story ties into Force Awakens. I don't know how, except there's one character, Kanan, who might be a character in Force Awakens that we don't know yet. Oh. Um, because I'm just going to... This is speculation, rumor. Max von Sydow's character, we don't know who he is. And if you look at Kanan's character design, he kind of looks like a young Max von Sydow. And if you age up Kanan into 35 years uh, into uh, Force Awakens... He could be Max Fonsito's age plus or minus five years. So if they do some like de aging or re aging, like it, I, I think I think Max Fonsito's character is Kanan, but that's that's a uh, that's a speculation. That's speculation for another episode of the Millennial Falcon. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I talked a lot about Star Wars. So someone else talk about something else. Okay. Um, I guess it's my turn now. Yes, yeah, Star Wars. I'm actually like not as versed in this as Anya and Willie are. Uh, obviously, so this is going to be a big learning experience for me, especially like in when Star Wars Force Awakens comes around and we start going into a whole speculation episode. Like oh, yeah. Be said. So that's going to be really fun. Yeah. Uh, and my next TV show uh, is Supergirl. Ooh. So I'm really excited for this, and I know there was a lot of flack earlier when the trailer for Supergirl was released, and people were comparing it to the Black Widow's SNL parody. And they were saying, like, oh, this is exactly what, like, we would expect from, like, a studio making a female superhero show. Completely missing the point. I know. By the way. Exactly. So, if Black Widow, it's a parody because it's completely out of character for her. Supergirl, it's fine if it's a rom-com workplace comedy and she saves lives because that's her character. She's just, like, this ray of sunshine who's worrying about, like, her life and, like, what guy she likes or and also, like, how to stop this nuclear bomb. She is that person. She's, like, a completely different character from Natasha Romanoff who was raised in, like, this Russian, like, assassin academy and stuff, and is very traumatized. Supergirl is not that. She has a sunny disposition, and that's what the show reflects. So, I am really excited about that. I know Anya saw the pilot for it. I uh, did. I really liked it. Can you give us a spoiler-free review of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, it reminds me a lot of The Flash. Yes. Oh, good. Which is going to be fun. I do not believe they have any plans to do any crossovers yet. CBS is the parent company of CW, 
So it's possible, and they're all Greg Berlanti shows, so mm-hmm. maybe in the future, but I don't think there's any plans yet, unfortunately. Uh, but very like The Flash, very positive. Um, Superman is only a sort of like figurehead of the show. You never see him. The show is about Supergirl, mm-hmm. but there's definitely this sort of something hanging over her that like her cousin is Superman, and that's a lot to live up to, and she has to kind of learn to be her own hero. Um, I forget the actor's name, but the guy who's playing Jimmy Olsen, or James Olsen, rather, in the show. He looks like he's a lot of fun. And then Jeremy Jordan is playing her friend in the series. And spoiler alert, if you know the character in comics, he becomes a villain. Ooh. Oh, I did not know I that! I did not know that, but I, I, that's, I have no, no, that's exciting. Cause that's kinda... I have no idea if they'll do that with him in the show, but uh-huh. if you look at like his character's name and who he is in the comics... Does it match he up pretty much? Like, so we'll see. So far, he seems to be just a really great guy and a friend. He has a, sort of a crush on Kara. Uh-huh. I feel like they might do that, go that route like in the far future, though, because they've hinted that with The Flash and like yeah. Frost and Caitlin Snow. I just hope they don't do the, like, if he has a crush on her and then he, she rejects him and he becomes a villain. <sighs> that that would annoying. be really annoying. <laughs> but it would also be a real good commentary on being on Unless, guys, yeah. guys who are in the friend zone, quote-unquote. Did not make becoming friends. villains, psychopathic murderers. That would be hilarious. Actually, I'm actually <laughs> a subversive to that. like meta commentary on yes. it. That would be great, actually. Yeah. I've... So yeah, it's a lot of fun. I think I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for that. Like that every man quality transferring over to like Supergirl. I yeah. like that. It's it's nice. It's funny. It's light. Again, optimistic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I... also, it's going to be great to have a female protagonist. Yeah, I think it's coming out for Jessica Jones too. So DC is going to beat them to the punch. Mm-hmm. Dang. <laughs> I, I, I actually, when I saw the trailer, I didn't think of the Black Widow trailer at all, because that came out like a week or two early before that, mm-hmm. but when I saw the trailer, I was like really excited for it, because like they did the thing where it's like, it's not a bird, not a plane, not a man, a girl, and then she like walks out, and it's explosive, and I'm like, oh uh, my god! It looks so good. Yeah. It does look really fun. Oh, yeah, and the one thing I wanted to say was the CG actually looks really good, like the CGI. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty impressive for like being on a TV budget. Yeah, I mean, I think they've definitely hyped, they've definitely hyped up their graphics input from The Flash, because mm-hmm. it started with Arrow, and there was hardly any special effects except for the, like, the chore- choreography and some CGI, but then The Flash really took it to the next level, and I think they've even progressed further with Supergirl. Mm-hmm. I'm really sad that there's gonna, there's like no hints at a crossover though, because it is the same like the same people, Greg Berlanti, and he like went again with like his Glee obsession apparently in uh, class. Melissa Benoist, yeah, 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 that's how you say her name, yeah, and like um, Grant Gustin is also from Glee as well, so it would be great if they like I don't know how to sing off or something. They had a carry <laughs> yeah. a musical episode. Yeah, Jeffy L. Martin. You just said, oh, yeah, that's true. Arrow, Flash, and Supergirl just have karaoke night. It'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a musical episode of Buffy. Just they all get taken over by a, a superpowered person who makes everyone sing. It could be. Yeah, I would. I would like that. I'd watch that. <laughs> we know everyone can sing, so mm-hmm. exactly. All right. Uh, anything else to say about Supergirl? Nope. Right. Okay. Anya, what's your next one? I basically said all my things, so I'm. I'm good. Take it away, you guys. Okay. Um, I have another show that I was that I am looking forward to. Uh, there's a couple. I know that Bob's Burgers and Last Man on Earth they're returning soon. I think Last Man on Earth is tonight. Did you guys watch? So is Bob's Burgers. It's tonight too. Oh, but Bob. Oh, great. That's amazing. Sunday's going to be very crowded. Uh, Sunday is so good. Um, have you guys seen Last Man on Earth? I haven't seen it. I've heard. Of I it, haven't seen but... it either. Okay, so it's really funny. 
you kind of also hate the main character at some point because he's kind of he he lived for two years on his own and or two or four years he lived a long time thinking he was the last man on earth and spoiler he's not because <laughs> um, you can't really do a thirteen episode show with just him although that would be kind of amazing Will Forte um, I think could pull it off Will too. Forte could pull it off Probably. he pulled it off for pretty much the the first episode and a half um, but Kristen Schaal is on the show she is a breath of fresh air. Everything she does is amazing. Uh, you guys both watch Bob's Burgers. I do. So you know yeah. how she is as a voice actress. She's, so She's funny. even funnier in real as a person, like in real life. Like uh, it's just so good. Um, so the show is coming back tonight. Uh, I'm really excited for it because I I love the the characters and Phil Miller is Will Forte's character. And by the end of the first season, he was becoming kind of like a, a total dick to everyone. But he, he saw the light at the end, and he's he's starting fresh um, with Kristen Schell, which is uh, which is great. Uh, so I'm excited to see the premiere tonight. The other show that I kind of want to talk more about is a new show called The Man in the High Castle. Have you guys heard of this? I saw the previews for that. You saw the? Did, yeah. you, see, did you watch the pilot? I didn't watch the pilot, but okay. I saw like the, the little trailers, and it seemed very interesting and kind of weird. Yeah, Anya, did you see it? Have you seen no. any of it? No. Do you know nothing. of it? I do not. Oh, okay. So, for you and for anyone who doesn't know, The Man in the High Castle is an alternate reality set in 1962 uh, about what it would be like if the axis of evil won World War II. So, if the Nazis won, if, if Japan won, and if they took the United States and divided it up between Japan and Germany. And there's a neutral zone in the Rocky Mountains. None for Italy? Sorry? None for Italy. None for Italy. <laughs> um, and basically, Germany owns uh, everything from the eastern seaboard to the Rocky Mountains, and then Japan owns everything from uh, San Francisco and, to and California and to the Rocky Mountains again. Uh, and in, I saw the pilot, and I think the, the t first two hours were on Amazon. A couple, like, well, you know, Amazon does their pilot season. You can watch the pilot and vote on it mm. and decide who, what gets to be a show or not. Um, so I, I watched that because, um, it's produced by Ridley Scott, who, even though he hasn't done a lot recently, he's not directing it, he's just kind of executive producer, so you, you're gonna get some high quality, like, visuals from it, because Ridley Scott's a very high, visual kind of guy, um, but it's based on a novel by Philip K. Dick, who, who did, um, an, do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, oh. and all the different, you know, okay. um, sci-fi books that were made in the 60s and 70s that a lot of movies are based off of. That's why it's so high concept. That's why it's so high concept. And the thing is, is that there's so much... It's basically 60s technology, but it, but not America. Okay. It's basically, like... The, the easiest way I can talk about it is that if it's, like, A New Hope, where the Empire is ruling over this country, mm -hmm. and you've got a band of rebels, and they're trying to... to uh, to, to win this re re uh, <laughs> this rebellion against this evil empire. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of, like, espionage and a lot of, like, uh, you know, you can't, who can you trust and who can't you trust? Uh, but it's also great because it's a period piece that in, in a period that doesn't exist. That's really interesting. So that it's is like, interesting. So you've got 60s cars, you've got 60s, like, you've basically got, like, the 60s aesthetic... But also 
everything has a Nazi emblem on it. And it's really interesting and really creepy. Do they, ha do they have that signature thing where, the, where whenever it's a parallel universe, they have a blimp? Or like blimps everywhere? There are, I think there are blimps. <laughs> I think there might be blimps. I don't know why, but um, that's like always a signature thing whenever it's like a parallel universe. Yeah. There are blimps everywhere. In a parallel yeah. universe, there's, uh, the Hindenburg didn't happen apparently. Yeah, exactly. um, but no, um, but like, so, so you, and on the German side, everything is very... Nazi Germany influenced in its design and like there's a in the opening sequence there's a big thing of Times Square with like the Nazi flag on it and it's really creepy That's really disturbing oh. um, and then on the on the Japanese side of the United States you, everything is very Japanese influenced on the, on the same side as you would think that like the Germans have influenced culture mm -hmm. so basically if you take Chinatown and like different uh, Asian groups in like California and but you make that all over the western United States it it's like it's it's kind of like Big Hero 6 like San Francisco San Francisco yeah Six. but in like a dystopia version that's so interesting and in this future Hitler is still alive but people but he's dying because he's like old mm -hmm. um so they're wondering who's going to take over the Reich um and Basically, people like the plot of basically like if Hitler dies, Germany and Japan are going to go to war against each other for the rest of the United States. Oh, so it's going to be on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Uh, it premieres in November. Okay, and uh, anyone we know in it? Uh, Rufus Sewell. Oh, I he, like he him. He plays he plays um, a German soldier. He's like part of the SS. Okay. Yeah, um, he's like the only one I recognized. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm not sure if the pilot is still on Amazon Prime. If it is, definitely check it out. Okay. Interesting. I, I, that actually sounds really fascinating. I thought, think that might be the, my next one. Yeah. All right. I don't have actually um, any more TV either. Uh, why don't we use this to segue, since we just talked about Amazon Prime and like all the new digital streaming ones, into our next topic, which is um, digital, t digital TV content. Mm -hmm. So... We have, on one side, um, Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, and they're coming up with their own, like, original content as well as picking up old content. And it's, like, kind of going along with this generation of cord cutters uh, who are, like, not, no longer watching TV on cable. They're watching things after the fact on, t on their computers and stuff like that. And it's also, like, lending itself to this peak TV Thing that we've been all struggling with, I'm sure. <laughs> Two, like if yes. you guys, if you guys saw the Emmys last week with Andy Samberg's opening number, where it was all about too much TV. Mm -hmm. So real. That, that's everyone's life right now. Yeah. So because there's so like, real. there's prime time, there's cable, there's Netflix originals, there's Hulu originals, there's Yahoo originals now. Yeah. Uh, which I don't think anyone has watched, honestly. And we could talk about no. that. Yeah. So <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the first big one from last year, uh, Community. And, like, it was the first, I feel like, big failure for um, TV streaming. Yeah. I would say, c critically, it wasn't a failure. Mm -hmm. I liked season six. Um, there were parts of it that they... Because they didn't have commercials, they went longer, so it was, like, 26, 27 minutes. I think that they could have used 22 minutes effectively and kept it as funny as they, as they could, um, normally on NBC. Um... But it kind of it dragged out too much, and when comedies dragged out, I'm not a big fan of that. Mm -hmm. So it it failed in that aspect. But I but the, the like the quote unquote series finale, 
I teared up because I, I love the characters. I love the series finale, and I thought it, they did a really good job of ending it. Like if if, if a community movie is never made, I would be content mm-hmm. because they ended they ended not exactly probably where they wanted to, but they ended on their own terms, mm-hmm. um, and they got to choose how they wanted to end. And I think that, but but the, at the other end of that spectrum is the visibility. Um, I think it failed miserably mm-hmm. because it did. No one... I, I forgot about it a couple times. Yeah. I wasn't keeping up to date. It wasn't... It was on Yahoo... What was it Yahoo called? Screen. Yahoo Screen, which, first of all, is a terrible name for a streaming <laughs> Um And second of all, I had to... I, I didn't even realize that Yahoo was in the market for doing original television when mm. they picked it up. I honestly thought it was going to go to Hulu, because Hulu was, was streaming all five seasons. Mm. And, you know, because the mini project... Hulu's, Hulu was streaming all four seasons, mm-hmm. three seasons, at the time when they said, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll do your show, we'll produce it. So I thought it was going to go to them, but Yahoo somehow made the best case, which is weird. Yeah. But Yeah. And everyone talked about it, everyone was so excited about it coming back, and I remember like a countdown, and it was like, today's the day, community, and then... Nothing. And then nothing just yeah. disappeared. Do you think it was because of like the weekly release thing? Like I know Netflix with their comedies, they put everything on, mm-hmm. like no matter what, they put everything on at once. But then like with Yahoo, they put it once a week, you know, to go with the traditional structure of how TV is released. Do you think that hurt it, or do you think that was like maybe in line with how comedy should be watched? I think it. I think it hurt it a little bit because I was. I'm of the sound mind of when you have something online. It's all online. Mm. Like, I, I really like what Netflix does with uh, you have it all available. Because then you can take your own time with it. You know, if you want to watch it over one weekend or a week, or you want to do the traditional once a week for the for 13 weeks, that's your own prerogative. But they kind of forced you into this stay tuned every Wednesday at midnight to watch the next episode. And that kind of, like, defaulted into, oh, I'll watch it when I watch it. Mm. And, then I, and think, I just completely forgot about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that that hurts... TV online in general because uh, Billy Eichner had a new show called Difficult People on yeah. Hulu and I watched the first two episodes thought that it was pretty funny because it's kind of like Seinfeld but mm-hmm. if Seinfeld was rated R and then it kind of got into the, the habit of community where it was like oh right it's a new Difficult People it's online like because it's not on traditional television you don't really see ads for it mm-hmm. and if you have ad blocker on your your computer you won't see ads for it at all. It's true. So, and I know a lot of people have ad blocker. I do. Um, so, but it shows up like when you turn on the Hulu app on your Blu-ray or on your computer, like when it's a new d- episode, it'll be the first thing that shows up on the big, uh, like scroller. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, we were talking earlier about the mini project, how that might happen. Mm. I'm so afraid of that happening. I really don't want it to. I don't want it either because it's a great show, but I think that we've seen it happen with several, with a lot of online content that is released week, uh, weekly instead of all at once, mm-hmm. is that people with so much different online content to look at, they kind of forget about the, the weekly thing. Like yeah. when you watch, when you guys watch something that's released on Netflix, you usually watch it all at once, right? Mm. Like even if it, like it is released all at once, but when you when when you guys watch it, you and Anya, you guys watch it all at once, right? I do, yeah. I like as much as I have time, yeah. Yeah, like if you have a weekend to watch to go through it, you mm. would usually you would probably try and do it, right? Yeah, it's like comfort food. Yeah, but 
when you have something on Hulu that's weekly, it's really hard to keep up with it. Mm -hmm. Because you kind of... And remember. And remember it. Like, you don't have a DVR to record it. It's it's Hulu kind of has like a subscription area where you can like look at shows that you that yeah. you that you have. I think that would help a lot, like but, some sort of sub subscription or newsletter or something. But it's really hard to like figure out where to go for that. Yeah, you have to go to like accounts and then TV shows. Like I don't. Know. Mm -hmm. um, but I like I know that Netflix tried to do one TV show this summer called, called Between. I know um, with the, about with it. one of the girls from iCarly, not uh, Miranda Cosgrove. Oh, I never heard of that. Jan Jeanette something. Yeah, Jeanette McCurdy. Yeah. They were trying to do a weekly show, and yeah. it and they were they built up to it, but it, but it's like a young adult dystopian uh, genre, huh. and they were like new episodes, and then it would say weekly, so it would be like it would underneath on the on the poster on the, on Netflix, mm. so that's their one thing, but it didn't really get a lot of good reviews, I believe, and it, it wasn't like a smashed out breakout hit like House of Cards mm. or uh, Orange Is the New Black. So. That's true. I think there is a sort of con to, like, putting it all on at once, though. Like, okay. I do like, you know, the staples of sitcoms, like the holiday episodes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So those are fun. Like, some of the best episodes of Community were holiday episodes. Yeah. And then there's also, like, with comedy, I guess it's not as uh, current, almost. Yeah. It feels like, oh, you watch that and you don't really remember much of it. And I feel like the, one of the great things about, like, having things once a week is that you, like, remember the jokes and you kind of keep it in the conversation and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which is one of the things, like, with Kimmy Schmidt, I really liked that show and it was great. But then I think it just kind of faded after everyone watched it in, like, January Everything, I think everything on that show faded except the, the, the theme song. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that uh, with comedy, like you said, like, it's in the cultural like zeitgeist at the time mm. and that, I think it's because it's on network television mm. or, or cable television at least because you're kind of not forced to watch it but if you're going to watch it you have a very easy way of watching it mm. which is either on Hulu the day after or on your DVR or on live live action like everyone will see it like I, I only knew maybe three or four different people who were watching Community Season 6 mm. like me yeah. yeah and then I would you'd be like why haven't you seen the last episode yet and I'm like I will yeah it'll happen and actually, I haven't watched the last episode of Mindy Project yet, Anya. Sorry. Fine. I know. Fine. I, will. I also I noticed. Gotta get to it. I don't have a Hulu subscription, and is it only like are they making only the episodes available only to subscribers? Well, the first episode wasn't, but the second episode was. Yeah. So. So I don't know. Yeah, that's that might be a new thing that they're going through with, which I didn't really notice happen until I tried to watch Mindy Project episode two, and I was like, ah, I'll wait till it's available. Or I will, like, think about getting a subscription, which yeah. I probably should, but... I know and, that but there's also this weirdly, like, societal pressure to, like, watch TV in a given time. Mm -hmm. Partially because of the spoilers, but also because of the conversations that are happening. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if you don't watch it when everyone else is watching it, you miss those conversations. You're out of the zeitgeist. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really big thing these days. Yeah, at least for our generation. Like, mm -hmm. when we talk about TV shows, if you're not, if, you know, if you're not cut up on... Unfortunately, Parks and Rec is no longer with us. But if you're not, if you weren't caught up on Parks and Rec, you couldn't really talk about, you know, you couldn't say the jokes that you wanted to say. Everyone's speaking another language, basically. Yeah, yeah, and that is the language we speak these days. Yeah, I can quote, I can quote SpongeBob like scripture. I still haven't. I don't. I, okay, that was just like enough. Something that I didn't watch because I didn't have cable. At the oh, time, that's so. true. That yeah. was just like I'm past that. It's okay. <laughs> I will just stare blankly whenever you. Reference Spongebob. 
All right, so let's go into our last segment for the podcast, um, our love-hate segment. Why don't you introduce it, Willoughby? Okay, so our, our final segment of the episodes for the Millennial Falcon will be called the love-hate segment, where things you love, things you hate to love, and things you love to hate. So we'll basically be going around the conversation and talking about things that we love, you know, things that we're interested in this week, things that we kind of have guilty pleasures over that we kind of hate to love, um, and then things that we love to hate, things that we kind of don't really like and we kind of have a passion for not liking them. Um, we don't, obviously, we don't, have to, we don't have to do all three each time because that's a lot. <laughs> just what we're going to um, talk about this week, basically. So basically yeah, just yeah. the one thing. Yeah. yeah. So I'll go first. Go um, the thing I really love this week is uh, the extended edition of the movie That Thing You Do, Tom Hanks' directorial <laughs> debut from 1996. This is a movie that, for the past 19 years, I have loved unconditionally, no matter what. It was the, one of the first movies I think I, you know, I fell in love with. Uh, I wanted to be the main drummer. He had sunglasses on. He played the drums. There are pictures of me with, like, uh, pots and pans and um, yes, large, like, like scooping spoons, like playing them with sunglasses on. Like, I'm going to see if my mom has any pictures, and I'll post one on the internet. <laughs> but, like, for a long time there, I wanted to be Guy Patterson, who is the main character. Um, the music is so catchy. Like, for those of you who don't know, that thing you do is about a band in the 60s who have a one-hit wonder, and they're called The Wonders. Um, and it, the song is called That Thing You Do, and it's very catchy, very poppy, very, like, everything you want from a 60s pop song. And they kind of have a rise to fame similar to the Beatles. And they and it kind of climaxes with an Ed Sullivan type of show. Um, and you get you kind of see the fallout of what happens when you have a band that's only good for a one-hit wonder. And it's Tom Hanks' first time directing. He's only directed a couple mu- movies. But this one is excellent. It's top form. And recently, they came out, I guess in 2007, but I discovered it. Last week, they came out with an extended edition, like Lord of the Rings, like <laughs> nine <laughs> hours long. It's the movie itself is only like a, um, an hour nine, not an hour, uh, one hundred nine minutes. This is like one hundred forty seven minutes. Like it's wow, not one hundred forty seven. Yeah, yeah, it's like forty minutes longer. So, it, uh, Charlize, it's actually one of Charlize Theron's first movies. She and, was in that movie. Yeah, yeah, she's in the movie. She's uh, Guy Patterson's girlfriend at the very beginning. Uh, you get to, you get to know their you get to go into their relationship more. Uh, there's a lot of a lot there's a lot of jokes and a lot of like lines that are in the movie in the original cut of the movie that are kind of not explained but foreshadowed and kind of have origins in the extended cut. So when you have so one of Guy Patterson's lines is he quotes "I am Spartacus" um, all the time. Like he go like like he but you never really understand why he quotes "I am Spartacus." In the very first scene of the extended cut, um, well, like the first new scene of, of the extended cut, it, it's him and Charlize Theron making out on a couch, and Spartacus is playing in the background. Ah, the nice. Stanley Kubrick film, Stanley Kubrick film from the sixties. Okay, now so it makes sense. It's a great movie. You know, it's a really fun movie. Like Steve Zahn is in it. He is probably the like he he's the he is the savior of this film. Like, if you had... Like, most of my, the one-liners come from Steve Zahn. I want Steve Zahn to be in every movie. 
Feels like a very Steve Zahn like character oh, it, too. It's so <laughs> Steve Zahn. It's Steve Zahn. <laughs> Steve Zahnian. I don't know how yeah. you'd say it. And Liv Tyler looking beautiful as always. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So that's my thing that I love this week. All right, my thing that I love uh, is literary web literary web series adaptions. Adaptation. Sorry. Um, so this kind of this obsession started with me last year, I think, or two years ago, with the Lizzie Bennett Diaries, and they, of course, and um, the, that was like this uh, modern adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, and it was basically like a web series told from like a vlogging type of of show, and Lizzie Bennett was just like a girl who was. Um, getting her master's in, like, media or something, and, like, all the events of Pride and Prejudice happened to her, but it's all, like, updated for the modern era. And uh, so she has... A, Charles Bingley is Bing Lee. He's an Asian <laughs> Asian guy. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's, like, all about, like, companies and stuff. And it's, like, less... It has, like, the romance angle, but it, it really plays up kind of the new, like, um, struggles that, like, millennials and like young people today faced with like should I get this job or should I like and like this really cushy job or should I like uh pursue what I want to do in like media or something like that Mm -hmm. and so it kind of spawned like this whole um subgenre of web series um so I some of my favorites are Green Gables Fables which is an adaptation of Anna Green Gables and it's made by a bunch of high schoolers and like it's really low budget but it's a lot of fun and they're actually like on their second season now um, then I like Peter and Wendy with the new the Adventures of Peter and Wendy, which is Peter Pan, um, and it also has like more of a of a let's see emphasis on like kind of jobs and like Wendy gets like a new job with Hook's um, company or something like that and that takes her away from <laughs> Neverland and it's kind of like they uh, have like a lot of really fun like camera angles but they have Tinkerbell like as like the Tinkerbell camera and stuff like that so they don't have just like the one vlogging camera thing and I also like the Missile Slate Archives which I really recommend it's an adaptation of The Secret Garden and uh what else oh Northbound which is an adaptation of North and South I think <gasps> yes wait with like Mr. Thornton yes and I have not heard of that one and now I want to check it out it's actually pretty good they've only gotten like I think 12, 11 episodes out, but it's pretty good. Like, it's about um, Catherine who moves to, like, New York City, and she goes to, like, a new university there, and it's it's pretty well done so far. So I really okay. re- like them, and, and um, yeah, they're, like, really low budget, but they're a lot of fun, and they just kind of, like, let you see, like, your favorite literary characters come to life and kind of interact with them because they're really active on Twitter, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you just, like, tweet at them and stuff, and I always like them. They, they come out weekly or, like, Every every like biweekly, and I just they're so fun and easy to watch. Like five minutes each for every every episode. So yeah, I did you that. like Emma approved as well? I didn't like it at at first because I didn't like the character of Emma. She was very like not caustic, but kind of like hard to like. But she I did is Emma. Yes, mm-hmm. that is yeah, Emma that's very Emma Woodhouse. So I did like it was very different from like I was I was kind of expecting another Clueless adaptation. So that's why I was like, oh, okay, this will be similar to that. But it was it's different. It was more, like, kind of grown up, I guess. And yeah. I, I liked it more, like, towards the end because I thought the chemistry between her and, like, Alex Knightley was, was really good. Yes. Um, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I still think it was, like, not the best adaptation of it, but it was still pretty good. Um, so, yeah, those are that's my, like, love-hate. Well, more love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, most likely right. it'll be mostly love. Yes. Yes. Um... I will again do the thing that I love most this week, and 
completely unsurprising, these two, it is Hamilton, which is the Broadway musical by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who did In the Heights. And this week, especially, the album hit. And NPR released it early in the week. Thank you, NPR. And then it was officially on iTunes Thursday night. I bought it immediately. Other than podcasts, I have listened to nothing but this album. <laughs> Literally, like, I play it from the beginning, it ends, and I play it again. And the thing is, is that... So Lin-Manuel Miranda performed the first song from this back in 2009 at the White House, and it was just a concept album about the founding father, Alexander Hamilton. A concept hip-hop rap album. <laughs> so we've been wow, waiting. that's so interesting. I know. I know. It's amazing. So we've been waiting for this for six years. And finally it morphed into this full Broadway musical. And not only did it meet expectations, but it it far exceeded them. I have never... I'm a big musical theater fan. I did a lot of it in high school and middle school growing up. Um, And I don't think I've ever heard a musical that hits every lyric, every beat, every line so perfectly... It's really incredible, and you you laugh when you hear, oh, like, rap and hip-hop founding fathers, but it works. Like, the debates between Hamilton and Jefferson are done as rap battles. That's amazing. And it's fantastic. That's perfect. Um, and it's so great because the cast is so diverse, and, you know, uh, David Diggs, who plays uh, Lafayette and Jefferson, he's African-American, and you have all these different diverse people of color in this adaptation, and it's so great. I think Lin-Manuel Miranda said that it's because this is America now. It's just representing what America is now. Um, as far as I know, the only white actor in the musical is uh, Jonathan Groff as King George III, which is <laughs> That's incredibly fitting. That's, right? That's it's hilarious. Great, yeah. It's just, it's so brilliant. I can't stop listening to it. It's really wonderful, um, and now the goal is to get up to New York and see it live, because so, it's fantastic. So so when did it start playing, like, on Broadway? Um, well, it started first at, I think, Vassar College, I think, is that was, like, when it was first, like, doing workshops and stuff, hmm. and that, then it went to a off-Broadway theater in New Jersey, I think? I don't remember exactly, um, and that was, like, last year sometime. And then it hit Broadway this year. Okay. And so the, I'm, I'm hoping more than anything that it gets uh, the Tony for Best Musical because it deserves it. I've heard, I've heard that's like really groundbreaking too because this is the first uh, musical on Broadway to have like hip hop and stuff. And that's been kind of a thing that's not really shown up in Broadway at all in the past like hundreds of years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's incredible. And what's great is that like it's not overly done there are some more like traditional ballad songs and different types of hip-hop in the musical and like all of King George the third songs are basically traditional Broadway songs which is so great because it shows how out of touch he is with America mm-hmm. and so it's a really big mix of music which is really great so people will say like oh I'm not into hip-hop but like give it a shot it's more than what you think and I think you'll really love what it does it's absolutely brilliant um i'm now trying to plan a trip out next summer to see it so <laughs> would you say know, it would be awesome would you say that it's this generation 1776 <laughs> that's really funny because that's what i wrote my thesis on in college that oh my god that's so great <laughs> i wrote my thesis on 1776 um 
Yeah, I would say it's sort of this generation's 1776. Because um, it takes place during the Revolutionary War, right? Yeah, so, well, it takes place sort of, so it, it documents Alexander Hamilton's life. Um, the musical really starts when he first gets to America, um, because he came from the Caribbean. And then when he comes to America um, as an orphan, an immigrant orphan, meets Aaron Burr, Lafayette, John Lawrence, and kind of gets into the whole revolutionary scene. Um, he was a soldier. He was in the Battle of Yorktown. And so it documents that, and then it goes all the way up to uh, his duel with Aaron Burr when he died. And it documents him meeting his wife, Elizabeth Schuyler, and their son, Philip, who also died in a duel, I think, three or four years before Hamilton did. And it documents all these, documents his relationship with Washington and his antagonistic relationship with Jefferson and an affair he had, which is known as, like, the Reynolds Papers, the Reynolds Affair. Mm -hmm. And it documents all these things about his life, and it's fantastic. Um, he is the most Gryffindor founding father you will ever <laughs> He's, I... I'm coming to really love Hamilton, and I'm a big Founding Fathers person, so... And Anya is also a Gryffindor, too, so... I am... Yes. Yeah. I'm a Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw! Alright, Claw. Would you recommend, like, if you listen to the soundtrack, would you be able to get the gist of what the play was about? Oh, yeah. Um, and what's great about the soundtrack is that um, a lot of time in musicals, you have the songs in the soundtrack, and then there are bits of dialogue that aren't on the soundtrack, because they have scenes of just speaking to each other. This musical is every single piece of dialogue in the musical. Oh, wow. So it's like wow. an opera. Rap? Rap? Yeah. Rap. So like, it's, it's a rap opera. Copra. Rap rap. <laughs> it's a cop opera. Copra. Even when, they, even when they talk, like they do more of talking than singing, it's still on the soundtrack. That's oh. really cool. Um, That's but neat. like, I feel like as a musical, the soundtrack is brilliant. I will not stop listening to it probably for the next like three months at least. Um, but I feel like it still cannot prepare you for what you'll see if you see it live. Because I have heard, like, the Battle of Yorktown has done more of, like, a dance battle. That's and amazing. This all sounds yes. so great. This You're is so high concept. It is so brilliant. And Lin-Manuel Miranda is such a generous, brilliant artist. And he deserves this success more than anyone else right now. I'm very happy for him. So... Yeah, I'll probably keep talking about it for a while. <laughs> so about the <laughs> Hamilton album. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll that's uh, it for our show today. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for listening. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in for our first episode of the Millennial Falcon. And if you're from the future, well, hi from the past. <laughs> <laughs> and HT, where can they find you on the internet? You can find us at Falcon Podcast on Twitter and. Uh, Millennial Falcon on Facebook. Yes, mm -hmm. and you can follow me H uh, Tran Bowie on Twitter uh, w at Willoughby Dobbs, and I am at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. Okay, thank you so much for joining us. Hi guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>